It sets in just as Thanksgiving weekend comes to a close and you wake from that tryptophan haze. It's something like panic. Actually, it's a lot like panic. You're a nonprofit leader, paid or unpaid, maybe the chair of a development committee or the lone paid development staff member. And here's what we know. 30% of the projected $300 billion in total annual donations to charities are made when? During December. And 10% or $30 billion come during the year's last 48 hours. Yikes. So the questions, have you planted sufficient seeds? Will you hit your numbers? Are you ready? Our podcast today will not include the game that I call coulda, woulda, shoulda. Nope, we will have none of that. My guest and I today will offer you tips and tricks, practical advice, so you can play the new game I'm going to call Ken Will Gotta. Welcome to Nonprofits Are Messy. Not enough money, too many cooks, and an abundance of passion. Leading nonprofits isn't easy. Joan Gary, the dear Abby of nonprofits, gets it, and she is here to help. My guest today is not really a guest. He's a friend and a colleague in my firm. And if you have listened to my podcasts this year, which are, by the way, always available on my blog at JoanGarry with two R's.com and on iTunes, his voice will be familiar to you. Seth Rosen is one of the happiest nonprofit consultants you will ever meet. He loves raising money. He's smart as hell, and he is addicted to the Real Housewives franchise. This little last fact is something I do not hold against him. In addition to blogging monthly at JoanGary.com, Seth has an exemplary career as a fundraising executive, most recently at GMHC, the world's first and largest AIDS services organization in the country, with a $30 million budget. His impressive resume includes work in education, private schools, and higher ed, global philanthropy like Malaria No More. His passion was the law, and he has a law degree, but he learned after practicing law for a bit that he had a love and a gift for raising money, and today he shares that gift with us. Hello, Seth Rosen. Welcome back. Joan, thank you. Nothing makes me happier than talking to you on your podcast. <laughs> um, uh, so um, enough of this. Let's. There's no time to waste. Every nonprofit needs to hear what we're going to talk about today. Skeptics among my listeners might say, oh, come on, Seth, the die is already cast. If we didn't do it right by now, December's going to crash and burn. If we did it right, we're going to have a home run. Now, I happen to know you both as a colleague and a friend, and I know that you don't really have a skeptical bone in your body. So that's why I want you to talk to our listeners. What can nonprofits do starting right now to make the most of December? I'd like to focus on attitudes and actions, and I'd like to look at both staff and board. So let's start with attitudes, Seth. What, how should nonprofits approach the month? So I want every person who fundraises at a nonprofit, and really that's almost the entire staff at any organization, everyone's an ambassador, everyone can ask for money, to think of themselves as a fundraising superhero. And December is really your Olympics. You're going to put on your cape. 
You're going to put on your superhero costume and you're going to tell the world, I'm going to raise a lot of money over the next 30 days. And it's so important. There is nothing preordained in fundraising. Quite frankly, everything is fluid, especially in December. And if you can go out there and really talk to people and make connections, authentic connections, I guarantee you actually are going to raise a lot of money. But the number one thing is that you have to really think of yourself as a fundraising superhero with your job going out there with the goal of raising money and the service of your organization. As you know, the money's not for yourself. It's in order to help your stakeholders and to fulfill the mission of your terrific nonprofit. Um, do you have a favorite superhero that, that people should be? You know, I I personally really love Superman, right? Mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. I think that's a, a great person to think about. But I also have a really wonderful daughter who loves Wonder Woman. So mm. I think between the two of them, you can find the best person for you. But but what you're going to really think of, and I think the motivation in such a relative really a stressful month, we can't say it's not, is that you are raising this money in the service of other people to help them. And really, your attitude, I believe, needs to be focused on why you're doing this. You're doing this because your stakeholders need this money in order for your organization to have the programs that will help them. And so your fundraising, your positive energy, your superhero-ness is going to raise the money that will help many, many other people. And I really think it's important to focus on that because there's no doubt about it. There's a lot of pressure on every fundraiser in December. Okay. So you've persuaded me. I need to wear a cape. I don't own a cape, so I, they're I'm very a, fashionable. Jones. Are, are they? Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I think, you know, do you, do you have Leopard, one? Seth? Maybe even Argyle. You know, do any of the real housewives have um, capes? Oh, many, 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 many. Don't name any of them. Don't name them. It's too frightening. Okay. Okay. Because I'm busy being, I'm busy being a superhero and I have to be really optimistic this Mm -hmm. month. Right. Seth, you have totally persuaded me. I've got my cape. I'm optimistic. But what do I do? This is what, this is what our listeners really want to know. Is there a week by week plan? How do you prioritize? What's the most important thing I can do? And why don't we start with the staff and then we'll move on to thinking about that same question as it relates to the board. Sure. I think I think the first thing I really want all fundraisers to do is to take 10 minutes, 15 minutes and write down the 10 biggest accomplishments of your organization over the past year. And it's going to do two things. One, it's going to remind you and get you really in the mood about why, again, you support this organization, why you work there. It's really important when you're asking for money, your attitude is absolutely key. The other and I just mean these to be bullet points, will help you in your conversations with donors. Donors want to know why they should give to your organization. And frankly, they want examples about what their money will be funding and the good work it's done. So these 10 examples, these 10 highlights are really important, both for you and for your fundraising. So just, the- just, just to hold on for a second. So the yeah. accomplishments are not your accomplishments as a development professional. This is organization what this or what this organization has 10 things this organization has done this year that you as a 
a member of the staff are super proud of. I, that's exactly right. So an okay. example will be, let's say you're working for um, an organization that serves meals. Your organization has served 20,000 meals to hungry individuals and families during the course of the past 12 months, right? Mm-hmm. That's really powerful and super important. But I think that reminding yourself of the good work is is absolutely key going into December. Okay. So, all right. So I've made my list now up. Okay, you have your list, and then the next thing is to personally begin reaching out. So I want you to do a few things. By this time, your um, December hard copy and email appeal should be out. If they're not, I want you to just drop everything and get those out the door, right? People need to be asked to give. No one, I shouldn't say no one, but very few people really give without being asked. So you need to make that ask. You're going to get that out. Um, And then you are going to pull your list of your top donors. And that's going to vary on what that is based on the size of your organization and how much your average gifts are and what a major gift is for you. But you're going to put together a tiered list of your top donors for yourself and the other people in your department, if you have staff that can make calls, and of course, your CEO or executive director. Before you be- before you move on, I want to go back to the um, e appeal. Okay, so if sure. it's not out, okay, yeah, all right, and someone just listened and said, "Oh no, I, mine's not out yet." When's the latest I can get it out and have it still be of value? Frankly, I don't think that there's anything that's too late. Okay, okay. your organization is going to be depending on getting the revenue in. No matter when it is in December, you can send it out. I don't really want anyone to ever think. Oh, I missed this magical date. If I send it out now, it won't work. Will it be as effective if it's very late in the month? Probably it won't be as effective, but you'll still get gifts in. I think it's important with fundraising. You never, ever say, I missed my chance. You always keep moving forward. Love that. I'm sorry to interrupt you because it seemed like you had other important actions people should take. So then you're, you're really you're going to have your call list out and you're going to begin following up on your on your either your e-appeal or your hard copy. And in this call list, what you really want is uh, information about what I like to have is how long the number of years that they've been giving. So you can say thank you. It's really important to say thank you during the course of this call and then to ask them um, to give again for this year. I like to ask people for an upgrade. So you're going to have the number that they had that they gave last year, plus a number that you're asking for this year. And you can work on this with your executive director by yourself if you know the donors, but ask for something a little bit more if it's appropriate. If you already know that you have a donor that cannot do any more, you have a good relationship with them, obviously you're not going to ask for an increase, but you want to ask them for a specific number. You want to ask them to join with you in giving to the organization because as a fundraiser, raising professional, you are a donor to the organization, and you're going to ask them to give before the end of the year. Now, this is also when your 10 accomplishments are so important, because during the course of the conversation, and I want to stress it's a conversation, it's not one-sided, you're going to work in a couple of these things that your organization did, and you can tell your donor that it was their gift from the previous year that made these things possible. But going through the rest of the month, It's super important to make these calls 
If you have a donor that doesn't like to talk on the phone, you're going to send a personal email, but you are going to reach out to them. So that's kind of the the main overall picture for the month, and that is going to go all the way into the very last minute, and all the way until until um, you know the end of the month when it whenever it's appropriate to to call. Obviously, you're not calling at 11:59 on New Year's Eve, but whenever it's appropriate, I want you to work through your list. Yeah. Yep. One of the one of the things I I want to I want to stress that you said that feels really important, and you and I are both people who give to causes we care about, so we know about this. Um, when when someone tells me that my gift made something happen that might you know even that might not otherwise have happened, or because of you know because of all of you people who give at this level and above we were able to do X. It makes me feel really good. Like to separate the idea of the accomplishments over here and then the will you contribute to the organization that does this is a very different framing from, I'd like to tell you a little bit about what your gift made possible this year, right? There's a really big difference because it actually connects me to the accomplishments it connects my donation and me personally to the accomplishments in a way that listing the accomplishments and asking me to support them that feels really different i agree i mean people want to feel to feel value donors want to be thanked and they want to feel that they have a really essential part in helping people i think you're exactly right john it couldn't be more important so, so- Oh, go yeah. ahead. I'm sorry. Well, you're going to be making these calls at the same time. I want you to begin um, for this week, and then you're going to make it happen. You're going to draft some Facebook posts and some tweets. I hope you're on both, but if you're only on one or the other, that's certainly fine too. And these also reference back the great things your organization has done this year. And really what I find important about Facebook and about Twitter, it's a reminder to your donors or to your prospects, I should give to this organization. I don't think that there's a lot of fundraising, quite frankly, that happens on either platform, but it's a reminder. People go on the Facebook and then your organization's post is in their feed and it's a reminder. And the truth is you want to, especially in December, you want to post once a day if you can, if not every other day, because people will will take a little bit of time to make that gift. It's not going to always happen the first time that they think about it. So that reminder is really important. And so when you think about the content of those Facebook posts, um, is it a, is it a push to give or is it a highlight of an accomplishment and then a push to give? It's both. It really is. So it is a highlight of accomplishment with the link to give and a reminder to give. And remember, Always try to use a picture um, or a video. They're much more effective than just text. So if you have pictures of your clients, if you can show pictures like that, that's terrific. Um, but people, a visual is really important. And I, if you don't have a lot of pictures, that's fine. You're going to repeat them throughout the month. I don't, again, want anyone to think, oh, I don't have these things, so I can't do it. A few pictures are great. But you really, if Facebook posts and, and tweets are more effective if you can have a visual to go along with them. What if you did something like, um, you know how Ellen does like, Ellen, 
you watch Real Housewives, I watch Ellen. Um, Ellen does like 30 days of giving or something like that at some point around the holidays, as I recall. She gives like everybody in the audience like toaster ovens and things, right? Yeah. Like, could you do like 30 days of, like like every day is a different accomplishment. I love from, that. From I... the year. And, and you actually position it that way so that I'm, that's accomplishment number 30, number 29. As long as you're able to make that commitment not to drop the ball on it like something like that that actually ties the previous post to the new post on facebook and actually that there becomes a sort of a cumulative effect with a sort of a, a list like that yeah i love that i think 30 days are, is terrific if you're in a smaller shop i've done before 10 days or 12 mm-hmm. days um do something that is plan on something that's doable for you don't right, yes. extend yourself to the point that you can't do it what I would also recommend doing is if you're able to do this, you're going to put those things at the top of your um, web page every time, your homepage for your organization, right? You want to make sure that your donate button is super easy to find, highlighted. I don't have a problem making it a little bigger than it usually is. You want people to be able to see it. And you want to make sure that the ability to give online is very easy. And also that your homepage has your organization's address on it and your phone number. Because lots of people are going to want to call maybe to talk to you about making a gift first. And you also want the address to be very easy to see. It's, it's surprising to me, but there are definitely organizations that don't have the contact information right up front and center. So it's easy to find. That's interesting. Do, do you think that they don't do that because they assume that you'll just make the donation online? I think it's that, and I I just also think that if you are not an organization that has people coming into your office, it's maybe not the number one thing on your mind. Yeah, that's probably right. That's probably right. You know, it's interesting. You heard at the intro that I talked about what ridiculous percentage of charitable dollars are given during December. And I uh, there's part of me, as I ride into December with you know three kids, uh, 14 nieces and nephews, and each of them have a total of 15 kids. Wow. Um, this is an Irish thing. I think, um, (laughs) the, um, like I, I think of December as a month in which I spend a lot of money and I was just wondering what's, it feels almost counterintuitive to me that I would, that I would make my charitable gifts in December because so many people are spending money to buy like office gifts and holiday gifts, Hanukkah, Christmas, whatever. Is it just about tax deductions? No, I don't think so. I think tax deduction for some people does, does play an important part. Um, but the other is that for in the United States and in other countries around the world, um, the holidays from Thanksgiving on are a point when we reflect as a society that we're very lucky and that we're very grateful. That's certainly why I give, because I also feel very grateful and very blessed. And then this is a time when we try to give back. It, it truly would be wonderful if we did this throughout the year, but it just happens to be culturally and through circumstance that often from Thanksgiving through the end of December, I think we're, we're very reflectful and we think about what we have and that what other people don't have and that we try to give to them. Um, that makes a lot of sense. So I, so I have this new visual that I, um, that I use when I talk to clients. Um, and it's also, uh, 
part of how I think about my blog and this podcast and the book that I have coming out in in uh, in March that I think of a nonprofit as this sort of twin engine jet with the board chair and the staff leader as co-pilots. And we've sort of only been talking about here the sort of the engine that is this the sort of the staff engine. Let's move and talk about let's talk about the board. How do you engage the board to maximize December fundraising. If I haven't already done that, is it too late? Um, you know, we know, everyone knows, you and I have seen it time and time again with clients who think that their, you know, that their board doesn't do enough. And so they just sort of put them aside and say, if we're going to raise a lot of money in December, we can't count on them anyway. So let's not engage them. Um, like, so how would you recommend, and you have some board organizations that have boards that that do operate at full throttle, but let's assume that this isn't a full throttle fundraising board. Uh, are there bite-sized pieces here? How do we engage the board if we if they're not already engaged? Is it too late? And if not, what can they do? It's absolutely not too late. So there are different things that a board can do to help you uh, as a fundraiser with bringing in money before the end of the year. But the thing that I really want to stress for boards that may be reluctant to work on fundraising, the first step I always suggest is have your board members do thank you calls after gifts have come in. So after about the 15th of December, be, work with, if you have one, your board uh, fundraising um, or development committee, and then talk to them that say that you would like the board to make three to five thank you calls each to donors who've made a significant gift or an increased gift or have been giving for quite a long time to your organization. You'll script out the board member, but all they'll be doing is to call that donor and to thank them. And if they can always leave a voicemail, it's fine to do that, but it is incredibly rewarding for the board member to talk to a donor that just gave and to say thank you. They'll feel really good about it. Right. And quite frankly, this is the best cultivation that you can do to set the donor up to make another gift, perhaps an increased gift in 2017. So the thank you call is key. It really is very, very important, but it's also very easy to do. The now, other thing, before you go on to the next item, the yeah. other thing that about that is that it creates other touch points between that donor and other people in the organization. So like, you know, I, we often talk about a donor being tied to a particular individual and the more, the more the donor is sort of institutionalized across the organization, the better. And then it, it then sets that board member up to say, Oh, well, I talked to Mary in December. I had a really nice conversation with her. You know, maybe I can, you know, then when we ask when we ask that board member if they would take on some stewardship responsibility in 2017, a board member is going to say, you know, I actually had a great conversation with Mary. Put Mary on my list. Yeah, I think it's incredibly important for, for a donor to have more than one touch point because of, obviously there can be turnover in an organization. And when we're talking about that, the board members are incredibly effective to do it because they're volunteers and there's definitely a peer aspect there. But if you know that a certain donor would love to hear from a program person that does the work that this donor is really interested in and that program person has the time and has the ability to do it, they're also great people to do thank you calls. Makes sense. Makes sense. Okay. Thank you calls. Anything else you'd put on board list? I would. So if you have board members, that's the, the thank you calls are the are frankly the the first step. And any board member can do that. 
The other is that during the course of the year, your board members probably at events or in other things came into contact with certain donors and maybe really connected with them. And I'm sure you're keeping track of this in your database or just in your head. And so if you really need um, to do an increased gift or a renewal and you don't have the best relationship with them or you think another person would be more effective, you're going to have your board member do that. And so depending on the size of the gift, it can really easily be done over the phone. You're going to have your board member call. You'll give them a short list. You'll prep them and you'll script them. And I also recommend giving them a version of your 10 accomplishments for the organization. And you're going to work with them for the board member to make the ask for either the renewal or the increased gift. It doesn't have to be a lot. Um, it doesn't have to be, excuse, I should say that board members don't need to get a big list to do this. A few individual prospects are really terrific, but I think it's important. And it makes the board member really feel that they are part of the fundraising cycle in a very strong way. And in my experience, once a board member does this and they get a yes and people make the gift, they will really want to do more in the future. So you're also building capacity for yourself as a fundraiser because you're grooming someone to make asks that will help you as well. What about the, so you talked about the development committee of the board. Would you engage them in preparing the 10 accomplishments? Like how, how much of a partnership with four weeks left on the clock can you create, or is this a p- point where you've got four weeks left on the clock and you just have to you sort of really have to just uh, just point and start shooting and calling? Um, did we miss the boat on sort of partnering with the board development committee so that the board development committee is is helping you to engage the board in it to its fullest extent that month? So it is preferable to start this process a little bit earlier, but I think having the board development committee look at your version of the 10 accomplishments is really important. They're kind of your focus group. You're gonna work and hear what they think resonates most, their donors themselves, but it's absolutely never too late. One thing I do wanna stress, when you're working with any board member, December is a really busy time for all of us, and you need to have a frank upfront conversation with them with the board development committee and every board member and just say, if you can't do this, if I give you a list and you don't get to it, that's fine. I just need you to tell me. What we really don't want to happen is that you give a list to anyone, right? The CEO, a staff member, a board member, another volunteer, and you're counting on them to do something and they don't do it and they don't tell you. I like to remove any guilt or any shame from this process Say up front, it's fine if you don't get to it, but I need you to tell me by X date because you need to then do it yourself. And it's fine to do that, but you need to have an open communication and they just have to tell you that they can't do it. In the ideal world, um, and I've written about the ideal board fundraising or board development committee, in the ideal world, it is the committee that provides peer accountability to their colleagues to make sure that to hold them accountable to get their work done or to identify whether they can or can't do it so that the staff is not put in that position of sort of nagging their quote-unquote bosses and um, uh, so just something else to think about Um, it's probably not something you can put into place or fix uh, with 30 days left on the clock but that's sort of the ideal scenario isn't it 
I absolutely it the peer to peer is much much more effective and and frankly boards the different directors on the board have a relationship and a collegiality that you're not going to have with them probably as a staff member. So doing the peer to peer and having them a, a board development committee um, be the person that keeps on top of the other people and their work and fundraising is the is ideal. Um, yeah. And if if you don't have that, you're just going to have to unfortunately take it on yourself. But I also find that the December period brings to light a lot of fundraising issues for yourself, the board, keep track of them. And then in January, you're going to start to work on them. Um, don't a lot of organizations I find have this repetitive cycle where in December, the same issues keep coming up. Don't, don't do that. Think of the yeah. issues and work on them and have a nice plan to work on them throughout the following year. Yeah, I think uh, uh, I'm a huge, huge, huge fan of uh, debriefs and, um, you know, uh, and, and to talk, you know, to t if you probably will have a January board meeting, most people do in the first quarter of the year and debrief on what worked well and what didn't around year-end fundraising, especially when you're looking at a third of your gifts coming in in that last month. What worked? What wor What could be? What could we do differently? How should we look at, if we're having an October board meeting, how should we use that October board meeting to get out in front of this so that we don't feel like we're behind the eight ball come December 1st? So I think there's a lot you can learn um, from how, however successful you may or may you know, may or may not be in December, but it, I think oftentimes nonprofits are not reflective enough about what worked and what could have worked better. I completely understand. And Joan, something that you taught me um, in working for you and as a client myself was to really have an open mindset and that you're always thinking about what you can do to improve. You don't have a fixed mindset. You have an open mindset knowing that you can always get better. And there's no shame or, or ego or, you know, I'm bad if I didn't get to something. You're always working just to see how you can be better over the course of the next year. So I want to I want to ask one last large question and then a small question, and then we're going to be out of time. Um, so let's talk about um, competition. And, and I, I'm not I don't like that word, in, but I'm not talking about I'm not talking about competition within a particular sector. Um, because I actually refuse to use that word because I actually believe that within a sector, the pie actually gets bigger, not smaller. I'm actually talking about sort of the vast array of causes and organizations that are all in the business of maximizing December revenue. So you and I are both donors to a number of organizations, and many of our listeners, in addition to being you know, nonprofit board members, give to multiple organizations. So we're, you know, our audience is just like us. We've been invited to numerous cocktail parties, holiday galas. We've gotten emails, and we will no doubt experience real-time outreach. What's your advice to an organization? So, you know, this isn't – you've given a lot of good tips and tricks on how to approach fundraising. Um, I guess my question is how, do you, how, does, how does a nonprofit organization cut through the clutter of the vast array of nonprofits that are all scrambling in December? Yeah, it's a good question. And my advice is to be specific in what your nonprofit is doing in order to help people. 
don't say we're feeding a lot of people, right? We're feeding X number of people, and that results in Y, right? We're giving meals to kids. We're, um, we're giving meals to, to families, and that is resulting in better school performance um, and better education outcomes. I'm making this up, but you really want to be specific. You can't be general and just say we're, we're doing good work. I really want to hear people be specific. Use metrics of the number of people served, if possible, focus on the outcomes that's happening, how the needle is being moved. And that's really, in my mind, what cuts through. And then the other is storytelling. Give a example of how a client or a stakeholder has been helped by the organization. People really connect with that. Um, and I think it's, it's really the most important thing in December because you're absolutely right. So uh, as people probably have already gone through. Giving Tuesday has already happened by this point. And on that day, every nonprofit is sending out an email. And it's a lot of nonprofit and email noise. Right. The ones that are, are really most effective are the ones that are, are specific and how they're helping people and using one good story in order to illustrate their success. Mr. Rosen, that sounds like it would be a very, very good blog post, don't you think? Like I a, do. A sample of two different organizations and how they used Giving Tuesday to their fullest advantage and I cut through the clutter. A great idea. Okay, good. Let's make a note of that. All okay. right. Uh, we'll, we'll so debrief on that. Okay, so, sounds good. <laughs> and we'll have an open mindset. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, maybe this question I should have asked at the top of the podcast. Um, uh, and this is just really quickly, and then and then we've got to let these folks uh, stop listening to this podcast and go do many of the things that you've just suggested. Um, what if the cash is not in the door by twelve thirty one? I mean, we're, we're scrambling to get money in the door by twelve thirty one. Am I out of luck if I um, if I don't get the money by twelve thirty one? No, not at all. So it's very likely that people will continue to give through January. January is also a really actually quite a big month for for nonprofits. There are a lot of people who get their solicitations in their inbox or in the mail and are just incredibly busy at the end of the month. There's a lot of family things going on, a lot of things with kids, there's travel, and that they are going to give to you in January. It happens all the time. Uh, Joan, you and I have a client, and it happens to be that their most successful email is a January email that goes out. And I think it's just that sometimes people just can't, they're overwhelmed with what everything they have to do in December, and they can't get to it till January. So you're absolutely not out of luck. And I, I just want to say again, never stop trying. And even when a donor says, I can't give to you, that is a, a not now in my mind. Hopefully they will in the future, but there is never a time to say, I give up. There are times when you're going to feel frustrated and you just need to keep pushing. And the way that I personally do that is to reconnect with mission. When I am just feeling like I cannot raise any more money, I'm overwhelmed, I reconnect with the mission of the organization. And whether that is talking to a client, observing a program, uh, reading the annual report again, because usually annual, annual reports have really terrific stats and, and great information, but you just need to reconnect and also know that every fundraiser goes through that period where they just feel overwhelmed in December. If you don't, I would be shocked, but I always have. And you just kind of really reacquaint yourself with why you're doing this work and why you love the organization. It feels like a really good way to wrap us up. And um, 
And I hope that all of you have found this helpful and that more importantly, that you found some of Seth's enthusiasm contagious. If you're an executive director, you might want to send the link for this podcast to your board, to the chair of your board development committee. Um, because remember, you really are very much in this together. Uh, please don't forget that we have lots more practical fundraising, leadership, and nonprofit advice and encouragement from Seth and from me at www.joangary.com. Um, Seth, thank you so much for joining us and for um, encouraging. I, I, I feel like there's going to be an increase in the sale of capes over the next week or so. I, I hope so. I'm going to go get mine dry clean today. And it's always a pleasure to talk with you. Thank you. Likewise. So um, subscribe for our weekly emails. We offer actionable advice and the regular shot in the arm you need and deserve for the hard and important work you do every day. Thanks for all you do. And I hope you'll join us next time. Nonprofits are Messy is a service of Joan Gary Consulting. Widely known as the Nonprofit Dear Abby, Joan's leadership blog reaches over 40,000 unique visitors monthly from over 150 countries. Subscribe at www.joangary.com.